Professor Luis Eslava is a research professor of international law at Latrobe University. He is one of Latrobe University's experts who have been observing the road to indigenous voice to parliament and exploring what happens next. The result has been declared and it is a resounding no. Professor Eslada, first, thanks for joining us and uh, can you share with us your observation on uh, the result, a resounding no, and what's your reflection on this uh, result? So the first thing that must be said about the result is that there is a clear no from the part of the public towards a very simple request made by First Nations peoples to the Australian population. That resounding no, uh, therefore, needs to be read in the context of uh, First Nations people's long-standing battle for the recognitions of the place within the history of the nation and the daily management of uh, the Australian government and affairs. Um, two things come out of that initial point. One, that uh, the compensation must continue. Uh, the request was a simple request uh, to recognize the uh, historical existence and the ongoing sovereignty of First Nations peoples over this land. Um, and secondly, that even though uh, there was a resounding no, that no was in relation to that request. There are other issues on the uh, table of conversation that came out of the Uluru statement from the heart uh, requesting as well as voice, treaty and truth and those two things uh, I suppose are going to be the two main points of conversation in the month coming. One thing I didn't mention in the introduction is that uh, you're also an expert in international law, development and uh, global governance. Now, uh, looking at this result, what, in your view, is the significance of this uh, resounding no for Australia on an international level? So the international perspective is here very important because Australia has already has obligations at the international level to recognize the existence of First Nations peoples as well as uh, a recognition of the voice or the representation in the daily affairs of government. At the international level, that is known as uh, inter- indigenous international law or international law of indigenous peoples. And that body of law is incredibly important for Australia, but for all of those nations that is still have within the territory First Nations peoples. What happened uh, over the weekend here in Australia uh, in this context sends a very strong signal about the still struggle domestically here in Australia to uh, respect, to endorse those international obligations. Leading up to this uh, referendum, uh, in one of uh, your statements uh, with uh, your panel of experts, you said that most of all, a defeat in the referendum should not be used as an opportunity to undermine the legitimate claims made by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples for direct representation. Can you elaborate a little bit on that for us? So one of the sad developments over the recent decades um, across the world in relation to referendums and constitutional reforms is that uh, progressive agendas have been uh, 
facing a backlash uh, at the moment of voting. In my own experience, I have seen, for example, how the uh, Colombian peace referendum in 2016, the Brexit referendum in 2016 as well, and, and last year the uh, referendum in Chile uh, that aimed to change the 1980 Pinochet constitution was defeated or received a no, no for the change of a new constitution. Um, and in all of those in- instances, uh, progressive agendas uh, or regressive agendas have been undermined or, or propelled. And uh, importantly, what has come out of those um, electoral processes is, uh, is uh, a numerical reality that has been sadly uh, further mobilized to undermine often minority rights. So in the context of Australia, what happened over the weekend, we have a, a resounding 60.6% uh, of the population saying no, versus a 39.4% population saying, of the population saying yes. Um, so what we need to remain aware is that these numerical representations of electoral, uh, electoral battle is not mobilized to undermine the rights of First Nations peoples and the very legitimate claims over this land. From the onset, it looked like a, an uphill battle, a really tough challenge, uh, while having to convince 97% of the population to decide on an issue of uh, utmost importance for just uh, 3% of the population. That's uh, a steep mountain to climb. Are there any examples internationally of uh, such a numerical imbalance uh, countries uh, where this happened and uh, on which you can draw uh, some lessons from? Uh, there is a, a very strong body of comparative examples that uh, indigenous people across the world constantly tap onto. In the context of Latin America, for example, there is a, a, a whole constitutional law tradition endorsing First Nations people and uh, recognizing the direct representation uh, at the level of the legislative, or put in the context of Australia, the parliament, so that reserve seats for indigenous peoples uh, to be kind of direct, uh, have direct presence in, in the affairs of government. Similarly, over the recent years, indigenous, not only just indigenous peoples as individual communities, uh, have become the right part of government, but also the cosmologies and the way they understand the relationship uh, to the land, to earth, has been elevated to uh, a constitutional level. So uh, in Ecuador, uh, in Bolivia, and um, for example, there has that, that indigenous uh, views of the planet, humans and non-humans, have taken the form of uh, a recognition of the rights of the Pachamama or the principle of when we really good living, um, they are coming directly from the, the cosmologists. Uh, now, it, it, Ecuador and Peru are interesting, uh, sorry, but Ecuador and Bolivia are interesting examples because they also talk about uh, demographics. So in Bolivia, indigenous population are significantly represented in, in the global, in the domestic population, but that's not necessarily the case of Ecuador. And there are also many cases where, uh, for example, in the case of Colombia, where indigenous peoples have quite strong rights, uh, indigenous peoples are not really kind of demographically speaking, a large uh, group. However, the rights are still uh, endorsed and recognized. The reason for that 
is because First Nations people's rights are uh, uh, special rights that are not necessarily the outcome of uh, the weight on national demographic statistics. They are coming out of the historical claim over the lands in which they continue to inhabit. Professor Islada, before I let you go, any closing thoughts on uh, the outcome of this referendum? Aboriginal people endorsing their voice and the vote for the voice to be passed have asked um, immediately after the results of the referendum were released uh, for a week of silence and mourning, uh, a week of reflection. I think we all need to be attentive to that call and also weigh attentively to what uh, First Nations people will uh, like to do, how they would like to proceed in the coming weeks. Uh, this attention is a form of respect uh, to them, uh, but also it is the best way for us to, as a nation, give ourselves a space uh, for what is coming to happen in a most mature and democratic way possible.